Uh, we're going to meditate on the word. And to meditate on the word, what I encourage you to do is to ask three questions. God, what are you revealing concerning yourself? First question. Second question, God, what are you revealing concerning people? And the third question I want you to ask is, God, what are you revealing concerning me? So let's read the word together. Father, I thank you for the privilege that you've given us for all of us to come together. We have people from all around the world. We've got folks from Albania today who are joining us in the reading of the word. And so, Father, I just pray that you will breathe into this moment, breathe into this time. Lord, as we read your word, let us be empowered by your word. Let's be encouraged by, the, by your word. Let's be motivated today to do as you've called us to do. And we say that in your name we pray. Amen. Chapter five, and it says this. Hear this, O priests. Take heed, O house of Israel. Give ear, O house of the king. For yours is the judgment because you have been a snare to Mizpah and a net spread on Tabor. The revolters are deeply involved in slaughter, though I rebuke them all. I know Ephraim and Israel is not hidden from me. For now, o Ephraim, you commit harlotry. Israel is defiled. They do not direct their deeds toward turning to their God, for the spirit of harlotry is in their midst, and they do not know the Lord. The pride of Israel testifies to his face. Therefore, Israel and Ephraim stumble in their iniquity. Judah also stumbles with them, with their flocks and herds. They shall go to seek the Lord, but they will not find him. He has withdrawn himself from them. They have dealt treacherously with the Lord, for they have begotten pagan children. Now a new moon shall devour them and their heritage. Blow the ram's horn in Gibeah, the trumpet in Ramah. Cry aloud at Bethaven. Look behind you, O Benjamin. Ephraim shall be desolate in the day of rebuke. Hmm. sorry, Among the tribes of Israel, I make known what is sure. The princes of Judah are like those who remove a landmark. I will pour out my wrath on them like water. Ephraim is oppressed and broken in judgment because he willingly walked by human precept. <laughs> there will be there there I will be to Ephraim like a moth, and to the house of Judah like rottenness. When Ephraim saw his sickness and Judah saw his wound, then Ephraim went to Assyria. And sent the king and sent to King Jerob, yet he cannot cure you nor heal you of your wound. For I will be like a lion to Ephraim, and like a young lion to the house of Judah. I even I will tear them and go away. I will take them away, and no one shall return. I will return again to my place, till they acknowledge their offense. Then they will seek my face in their affliction. They will earnestly seek me. Come, and let's return to the Lord, for he, has, for he has torn, but he will heal us. He has stricken, but he will bind us up. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up, that we may live in his sight. Let us know. Let us pursue the knowledge of the Lord. His going forth is established as the morning. He will come to us like the rain, like the latter and former rain to the earth. O Ephraim, what shall I do to you? O Judah, what shall I do to you? For your faithfulness is like a morning cloud, and like the early dew it goes away. Therefore, 
I have hewn them by the prophets. I have slain them by the words of my mouth, and your judgments are like light that goes forth. For I desire mercy and not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. But men, sorry, but like men, they transgressed the covenant. There they dealt treacherously with me. Gilead is a city of evildoers and defiled with blood, and bands of robbers lie in wait for a man. So the company of priests murder on the way to Shechem. Surely they commit lewdness. I have seen a horrible thing in the house of Israel. There is harlotry of Ephraim. Israel is defined. Also, O Judah, a harvest is appointed to you. When I return, the captives of my people. Chapter 7. When I would have healed Israel, then the iniquity of Ephraim was uncovered, and the wickedness of Samaria. For they have committed fraud. A thief comes in, a band of robbers takes spoil outside. They do not consider in their hearts that I remember all their wickedness. Now, their deeds have surrounded them. They are before my face. They make a king glad with their wickedness and princes with their lies. They are all adulterers. Like an oven heated by a baker, he ceases stirring the fire after kneading the dough until it is leavened. In the day of our king, princes have made him sick and flamed with wine. He stretched out his hand with scoffers. They prepare their heart like an oven while they lie in wait. Their baker sleeps all night. In the morning it burns like a flaming fire. They are all hot like an oven and have devoured their judges and all their kings have fallen. None of them calls upon me. Ephraim has mixed himself among the peoples. Ephraim is cake unturned. Aliens have devoured his strength, but he does not know it. Yes, gray hairs are here and there on him. Yet he does not know it, and the pride of Israel testifies to his face. But they do not return to the Lord their God, nor seek him for all this. Ephraim is also like a silly dove without sense. They call to Egypt, they go to Assyria. Wherever they go, I will spread my net on them. I will bring them down like birds of the air. I will chastise them according to their congregation according to what their congregation has heard woe to them for they have fled from me hmm. destruction to them because they have transgressed against me though i redeem them they have spoken lies against me they did not cry out to me with their heart when they wailed upon their beds they assembled together for grain and new wine. They rebelled against me, though I disciplined and strengthened their arms. They devised evil against me. They returned, but not to the Most High. They are like a treacherous bow. Their princes shall fall by the sword for, their cur for the cursings of their tongue. This shall be their derision in the land of Egypt. Chapter 8. Set the trumpet to your mouth. He shall come like an eagle against the house of the Lord, because they have transgressed my covenant and rebelled against my law. Israel will cry to me, my God, we know you. Israel has rejected the good. The enemy will pursue him. They set up kings, but not me. Hmm. They made princes, but I did not acknowledge them. 
from their silver and gold, they made idols for themselves that they might be cut off. Your calf is rejected, O Samaria. My anger is aroused against them. How long until they attain to innocence? For from Israel is even this, a workman made it, and it is not God. But the calf of Samaria shall be broken to pieces. They sow the wind and reap the whirlwind. The stalk has no bud. It shall never produce meal. If it, if it should produce, aliens would swallow it up. Israel is swallowed up. Now they are among the Gentiles, like a vessel in which there is no pleasure. For they have gone up to Assyria, like a wild donkey alone by itself. Ephraim has hired lovers. Yes, though they have hired among the nations, now I will gather them, and they shall sorrow a little because of the burden of the king of princes. Because Ephraim has made many altars of sin. They have become for him altars of sinning. They have, I have written for him the great things of my law, but they were considered a strange thing. For the sacrifices of my offerings, they sacrifice flesh and eat it, but the Lord does not accept them. Now he will remember their iniquity and punish their sins. They shall return to Egypt. For Israel has forgotten his maker, and he has built temples. Judah also has multiplied fortified cities, and I will send fire upon his cities. I'll read one more chapter, and then we'll call it. Do not rejoice, O Israel, with joy like other peoples, for you played the harlot against your God. You have made love for hire on every threshing floor. The threshing floor and the wine press shall not feed them, and the new wine shall fail in her. They shall not dwell in the Lord's land, but Ephraim shall return to Egypt, and they shall and they shall eat unclean things in Assyria. They shall offer wine and offerings to the Lord, nor shall their sacrifices be pleasing to him. It shall be like the bread of the mourners to them. All who eat it shall be defiled, for their bread shall be like their own life. Shall not come into the house of the Lord. What will you do in the appointed day and in the day of the feast of the Lord? For indeed, they are gone because of destruction. Egypt shall gather them up. Memphis shall bury them. Nettles shall possess their valuables of silver. Thorns shall be their nets. The days of punishment have come. The days of recompense have come. Israel knows. The prophet is a fool. The spiritual man is insane because of the greatness of your iniquity and the great enmity. The watchman of Ephraim is with my God. But the prophet is a fowler snare in all his ways. Enmity in the house of God. They are deeply corrupted as in the days of Gebeah. He will remember their iniquity. He will punish their sins. I found Israel like grapes in the wilderness. I saw your fathers as the first fruits of the fig as the first fruits of the fig tree in the first season, but they went to Baal Peor and separated themselves to that shame. They became an abomination like the thing they loved. As for Ephraim, their glory shall fly away like a bird. No birth, no pregnancy, and no conception. Though they bring up their children, yet I will bereave them to the last man. Yes, woe to them when I depart from them. Just as I saw Ephraim like Tyr, Planted in a pleasant place, so Ephraim will bring out his children to the murderer. 
Give them, O Lord, what you will give. Give them a miscarrying womb and dry breasts. All their wickedness is in Gilgal, for they, for there I hated them. Because of the evil of their deeds, I will drive them from my house. I will love them no more. All their princes are rebellious. Ephraim is stricken. Their root is dried up. They shall bear no fruit. Yes, where they were they to bear children, I will kill their darlings in the womb. Goodness gracious. My God will cast them away because they did not obey him. And they shall be wanderers among nations. I feel like reading one more chapter. This is tough. Chapter 10. Israel empties his vine. He brings forth fruit for himself according to the multitude of his fruit. He has increased the altars according to the bounty of his land. They have embellished the sacred pillars. Their heart is divided. Now they are held guilty. He will break down their altars. He will ruin their sacred pillars. For now they say we have no king because we did not fear the Lord. And as for a king, what would he do for us? They have spoken words, swearing falsely and making covenant. This judgment springs up like hemlock in the furrows of the field. The inhabitants of Samaria fear because of the calf of Beth Aven, for its people mourn for it, and its priests shriek for it, because its glory has departed from it. The idol also shall be carried to Assyria as a present for King Jerob. Ephraim shall receive shame, and Israel shall be ashamed for his own counsel. As for Samaria, her king is cut off like a twig on the water. Also, the high places of Aven, the sin of Israel shall be destroyed. The thorns and thistles shall grow on their altars. They shall say to the mountains, cover us, and to the hills, fall on us. O Israel, you have sinned in the days of Baal. There they stood, the battle of Gebeah against the children of iniquity. Do not overtake them. When it is my desire, I will chastise them. People will gather against them when I bind them to their two transgressors. Ephraim is a trained heifer that loves to thread grain, but I harness her fair neck. I will make Ephraim pull a plow. Judah shall plow. Jacob shall break its clods. So for yourselves righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he comes and rains righteousness on you. You have plowed wickedness. You have reaped iniquity. You have eaten the fruit of lies because you trusted in your own way. In the multitude of mighty men, therefore tumult shall arise among your people and all your fortresses shall be plundered. As Shalman plundered Beth Arabel. In the day of battle, a mother dashed in pieces upon her children. Goodness gracious. Thus it shall be done to you, O Bethel, because of your great wickedness. At dawn, the king of Israel shall be cut off utterly. What a place to stop. It gets better in chapter 11. <laughs> but we don't have time to get there. What a place to stop, y'all. Um, to, to close our time of reading, hearing the judgment of God on Israel. Quick reminder, we already saw this. 
quick reminder, we've seen this transpire already. We, we've already um, read about this. We read about this in 1 Kings. And we also read about this in 2 Kings. Remember that Israel was divided into two. There was the northern nation of Israel, the 10 tribes that followed uh, David's illegitimate son. And then there were the two tribes that broke off that followed Solomon, who was David's legitimate heir. And when I say illegitimate son, meaning illegitimate heir. And Solomon being the proclaimed heir of the kingdom ended up establishing the kingdom of Judah in the south. So Israel broke up into two. In the north, you had Samaria. And in the south, you had Jerusalem. Samaria was the capital of the north. Samaria is the capital of the north. And Judah's capital was Jerusalem, the capital of the south. And if you if you remember reading all through Kings, especially when we get to midway through Kings, Kings 15, 1 Kings 15, 1 Kings 16, 1 Kings 17, we see this, this decline, both in the north and in the south. We see the moral decline of Israelites in the north who had invited other nations in made allegiances with other nations, alliances with other nations, prioritized the culture and the worship of other nations over their worship of God. They trusted in other nations more than they trusted in God. And this all began because Israel had no king. This all began because Israel did not have a king in their heart. This all began because when when the book of Judges ended, it said that there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. You're going to always hear me come back to that text. Because what God submitted to in giving them Saul as a king was was not God's specific will for Israel, but rather it was Israel who asked for it. God wanted to be their king to rule their heart, but they wanted a physical king. Exactly right, Sarah. They wanted to be like everybody else. Everybody else has a king. Why can't we have one? And who did they choose? A king that looked the part. Saul looked the part. He looked the part. Tall, handsome, good-looking, intelligent, brilliant. He was the guy. He looked the part and they crowned Saul as king, not to God's pleasure. And then, of course, we know Saul's story. We don't need to get into all that. And then we know David, who then followed after Saul, which was a messy, messy story. Just read the story of David and Saul, the dynamic of David and Saul, the transition in power between David and Saul. Lies were lost. Battles were lost. David becomes king. David, who received the promise of God, this covenantal promise that we found in in Second uh, uh, Samuel, this covenantal promise from God in Second Samuel, even David fell short. David, through his messiness, had a messy family. 
And through his messiness, had messy family and had a son by Bathsheba and had sons by many other women. And it was a hot mess and hot fracture in the family and the family began split. And, and after David's death, we saw a group go to the north, rule in the north. And then we had Solomon who ruled in the south. You would say that through Judah continued the promise, the Davidic line continued through Judah. But those in the north who ruled in the north were also of David's blood, just not of his covenant. The covenantal promise continued on and persevered through Solomon. Why am I bringing all this up? Because when we read in 1 Kings and we read in 2 Kings, we see that, sorry, 1 Kings and 2 Kings, 1 Chronicles and 2 Chronicles. When we read the story of these kings, we begin to see a continual precipitous decline in morality, in worship. The people who were supposed to be distinct now became like all the other nations. And the people who were supposed to be distinct, who were supposed to trust in God, rather trusted in the gods of other nations, in the idols of other nations, in the culture of other nations. They wanted kings like everybody had them. They wanted to worship what everybody else worshiped. They wanted to praise what everybody else praised. And so we see now that Israel has fallen. And then we see just a complete collapse within itself of Israel in the north and Judah in the south. Israel in the north, Judah in the south. And so what we're reading now, and we, we read all this already. We saw the collapse. We saw the Assyrian Empire come in. That was in um, in Second Kings um, chapter, I believe it was in chapter 14, 2 Kings 14. Um, we see the, co- the collapse of Israel along with the overtaking um, um, of Israel by the Assyrian Empire. And Hosea now, who lives in this era, in this period, over a period of two decades, has preached and was preaching and preaching about Israel's unfaithfulness. Hosea is uh, a curated greatest hits. Um, Hosea is a curated uh, book of sermons that Hosea preached to Israel. And we say greatest hits, we can call them highlights. We call them highlights. And now they've been pieced together into this book. We're getting a peek into the life, the ministry, and the prophetic voice of Hosea in this time. Remember, prophets were never popular. I'll say that one more time. Prophets were never popular. Anybody who loves popularity isn't ready to be a prophet. Prophets hold on to their convictions. Prophets hold on to the word that has been given to them. And these are the con- this is the conviction that these prophets have. And most of these convictions go against the grain. These convictions go against the will and the desire of the people. Prophets are always turning things back, exposing hypocrisy, exposing injustice. This is what prophets do, fam. You understand? And so now as we read this text, we begin to see that Hosea, okay, 
who now has seen Israel's unfaithfulness, speaks into the call of God that the God who made a covenant with them, remember, covenant is marriage. God who married them said, you will be my God and I will be your people. We will be one with one another. You in me, I in you. You will represent me, but I will be with you. I am your God. You are my people. We see that Israel now, while in covenant with God, practice adultery. We talked about this already. Harlotry is the word that was used in the scripture. And then we see what consequence to that is, is that Hosea prophetically lives out a life resembling God in his relationship with his people. He got married to a woman who then practiced harlotry, went back and purchased her and reestablished a covenant with her. Speaking into the ministry of marriage, that marriage is always bigger than you. Marriage is a ministry. If you want to be with someone, you want to have sex with them, you want to have babies with them, you want to live with them, you don't need to get married to do that. Uh oh. You don't need to get married to do that. Okay? Marriage is a ministry of covenant. Greater than that, the model for God and his people is marriage, and yet it's about a faithfulness, a oneness to one and another to one another. That, that, that's what marriage is about. Anyway, I don't want to get into all that because I ranted on that yesterday. But now we find ourselves here. And I want to just spend a couple minutes and moments here with you. is that even given Israel's unfaithfulness, God is doing a work to come back into unity with his people. God could have chosen to just divorce Israel and move on. Just think about that for a moment. Israel has been unfaithful to God. God could have just said, you know what? Israel has rebelled. Israel's not really with me. They've chosen everyone else but me. Up to this point, I've always wanted to be in their heart, but apparently that wasn't good enough. I wanted to be the king over their heart, but they wanted a king, and then we gave them a king, and look at what's happened. Israel just doesn't get it. I never looked to create a nation of people and to be a family with people and to be one with a people to be like everybody else. Rather, I wanted to them to be a transforming nation, a nation that I could live through to bring hope back to humanity, to bring restoration back to humanity. I wanted to change the world, but I needed to change them. I wanted to be in their hearts, transform their hearts. That's what I wanted. And God's like, I wanted their heart. I didn't, I just want to sign their, the papers. Stay with me. Stay with me, fam, because we're getting to my point today. Because I got to go in a couple minutes. He's saying, I wanted to be in their heart. I wanted their heart. I don't want to just... See, here's the thing about marriage. Marriage was never about compliance. It, It wasn't even just about faithfulness. Like, it, it wasn't just about well, we're just going to do, I'm going to do my part and you do your part. Marriage was about oneness. I 
want you to have my heart and I want your heart. I want us to be one in heart and spirit. God didn't want Israel's compliance. God wanted their heart. And instead of getting their heart, what God got was counterfeit compliance. Yeah, okay, they do their little worship thing and they do the little sacrifice thing and, you know, they do their little thing, but they didn't have, God didn't have their heart. They, they, they like, well, what do I got to do just to make sure I'm doing the Israel thing? Because I want to go back to worshiping the things that I want to worship and do the things that I want to do. They wanted compliance, but God watered their heart. And rather than giving God their heart, they gave God their compliance and they gave their heart to other things. They, 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 they followed the, 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 the rules, but they didn't, they didn't give their heart to God. My question is, and, 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 and hear me out, fam. Where is our heart really? Like, what, where is your heart really? Do you have a heart towards God? Now just think about that for a moment. Because here's the thing, man, I, and, and, and I'm sure some folks can see it. It doesn't take much, okay? People who are not in the church, people who didn't, you might've grown up in church, but you left the church, but people who didn't even grow up in church can walk in there and see the fakeness. They can see it. They walk in there and they see there's a semblance of righteousness. You know, you're doing the church thing, but they can see and go, these people are fake. These people are fake. There's no authenticity in it because here's the reality. A lot of us, we never really gave God our heart. Let's just be real. We gave God compliance. We, we look for the rules that we can follow fairly well. But after that, I'm going to be me. I can be nasty. I can be whatever it is I want to be. I can just act however way I want to act. And you know what? I'm going to judge everybody by the rules that I create that I can follow. This is the kind of righteousness that a lot of people on the outside see. And because they see through that, they realize, no, you got rules, but God doesn't rule your heart. A lot of folks who they got rules and rituals, but God doesn't really rule their heart. Let's just be real, fam. And what, and what Hosea is doing here is he, he's exposing this. He's exposing, he's exposing the fact that Y'all got this sacrifice thing. Y'all, y'all got this sacrifice thing really, really good. Man, y'all good at the sacrifice stuff. What he says in Hosea chapter six, maybe y'all missed it, but let me go back here. In Hosea chapter six, just a powerful chapter. The book is powerful, but look what he says in chapter six, verse six. He says, for I, this is what God is saying. I desire mercy. And not sacrifice. And the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. 
I'm just going to sit on that because I, 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 I can go all day here. I, but there, there was somewhere else in the text. Did we not just read that? Where he speaks about Israel. And says here in verse 14, chapter 8, verse 15, For Israel has forgotten his maker and has built temples. Judah has also multiplied and built fortified cities. Wait, you built your temples, but you don't even know the maker? In verse 13, he says, For the sacrifices of my offering, they sacrifice flesh and they eat it. But the Lord did not accept them. Now he will remember their iniquity and punish their sins. They shall return to Egypt. Hold on, hold, hold on. Are you telling me that all this temple worship, God didn't even see it? Ooh, help me, family. Because for those of y'all that are like, man, you need to follow these rules in the Bible. God is saying, yeah, for those of you who follow the rules, I didn't even see it. I, I don't even see the rules that you're following. Uh, okay. Let me back up because I want to make sure y'all can see me here. All y'all with your perfect attendance. All y'all with your perfect church attendance. All of you guys who've been reading your Bible every day. All of you who've been doing the church thing and doing it really well. Oh yeah, you haven't slept around. Good job. Congratulations. Well, you know, you've been a really, really good person. Good job. Congratulations. What if I told you God doesn't see any of it if he doesn't have your heart? God doesn't see your compliance. He doesn't care how aligned you are to this scripture if he doesn't have your heart. And a lot of us have been giving God our compliance to some rules that we read in the scriptures that weren't even written for us. But for the children of Israel in that time. And we follow those rules thinking that God loves it because we're following the rules. But he says, I desire mercy and not sacrifice in Hosea. He says in Hosea 5 verse 13, sorry, verse 14. He says, I don't even see your sacrifices. In verse 13, sorry, in 8 verse 13 says, for the sacrifices of my offerings, they offer flesh and eat it, but the Lord does not accept them. God's not even accepting your sacrifice. He don't even see it. Congratulations, you've been following the Ten Commandments. Round of applause. Congratulations, you've been a pretty good person. Congratulations, you've been coming to church on Sunday. You, you come every Sunday. Congratulations. Congratulations, you haven't lied to nobody, you ain't slept with nobody. You're doing great. Congratulations. Man, would you love to think that God loves that? But what does he say? He says, for the sacrifices of my offering, they sacrifice flesh and eat it but the Lord does not accept them. Since when did you think that the Lord wanted you to be compliant to the rules? God doesn't even see your compliance if he doesn't have your heart. And for many of us, we're just trying to comply the rules, but we actually don't and haven't allowed God to rule our heart. Listen to me, God, if God, if God doesn't have your heart, then you're wasting your time. You're wasting your time. Like if you, if you're not married to God, you are wasting your time. You can be a good person. Being a good person is not good enough. This is the reality, y'all. 
I'm going to be the best person I can be. The best person, the best version of you is still not good enough. And if we read the Bible and see all the people that God celebrates, they weren't good people. These people in the Bible weren't heroes. Please. Some of the stuff I see some of these guys doing, I'm like, man, if I ever did any of that. <laughs> Anybody read the Bible and you say you love your day? If I did what David did, golly, if I did what Solomon did, these are the guys we celebrate in the Bible. If I live Saul's life, man, y'all would have me on TMZ. Y'all would have been kicked me out the church. These guys are not moral examples for Christians. And if I live like any of these men that we all like to celebrate, man, oh man, y'all would have y'all y'all would have burned me at the stake. Here's the thing: we have measured God's love for us based off of performance, as if it is performance that God is looking for. God wants your heart, and too many of us have been performing for God, but we never actually gave Him our heart. I'm not saying I'm gonna live like David lived. But if I don't have God's heart, it doesn't matter how I live. If God doesn't have my heart, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I don't care how compliant you are. Follow the Ten Commandments all you want. They have been following the law. This is for the sacrifices of my offerings. They offer and they sacrifice flesh and eat it. But the Lord does not accept them. Oh, it looked good for everybody else. But the Lord does not accept that. Wasting your time. Some of y'all wasting your time going to church on Sunday. I'm just going to be straight up. Now I'm just going to, I'm done. I'm going to close it because I'm going to get in trouble. Some of y'all wasting time going to church on Sunday. Some of y'all wasting time following the Ten Commandments. You're wasting time. Some of y'all wasting time doing a churchy thing and the Christian thing. Some of y'all wasting time. Yeah, you go to Bible study every week. Good job. Congratulations, you're wasting time. And the reason why you're wasting time is because God doesn't have your heart. God doesn't have your heart. And because he doesn't have your heart, God doesn't see any of the stuff you're doing. He sees none of it. He said, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Hosea 6.6. 6. He says in Hosea 8.13, for the sacrifices of my offering, they sacrifice in flesh and eat it, but the Lord does not accept them. So a lot of people give sacrifices the Lord is not accepting. Rather than thinking about how compliant you can be, why don't you give God your heart? All of you. And for the folks who see all the fake Christianity out there, they can see it. They read it. They know it. They know it. And that's why he said, for I desire mercy and not sacrifice. And notice, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. The knowledge of God is not knowing his word. That's not what the knowledge of God is. The knowledge of God isn't the knowing of his word. The knowledge of God is about knowing God. The knowledge of God is about knowing God. 
and he wants the knowledge. He wants you to know him more than your compliance. He wants the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. And some of us are giving burnt offerings, but not really spending the time to intimately get to know God. How much time do you spend in prayer? How much time do you spend intimately in prayer? How much time do you spend just enjoying the presence of God? How much time? How much time do you spend in in just reflection and worship to God? How much time do you spend just praying and speaking to Him? How much time? Oh, but I ain't gonna miss church on Sunday though. Ooh, I can't do that. Hmm. Nope, I ain't missing my Bible study. You're not missing your Bible study because you don't want nobody to call you out. <laughs> You're not missing your Bible study because you don't want a pastor to call you or your group leader to call you. That's not what you want, so you show up. You're compliant. But God wants your heart. So today, examine yourself. Examine and say, God, do, do you, do, do I have, do you, do you, do you have my heart? Like, is, is he the priority? I know we saw the judgment of Israel, but the judgment of Israel came at the fact that Israel had allowed the enemy already in. That's another conversation. We'll do that. We'll do that on, on Monday. He let the enemy, Israel already let the enemy in. My question to you is, is who are you actually letting in? Who takes priority in your life? Do you know God? Let's stop wasting our time. That's going to be the name of this episode. Stop wasting time. Dearly Father, we thank you for the privilege that you've given us, Lord, as we come to read your word, Father, as we meditate on this, Lord, let us be reminded that you desire mercy and not sacrifice. Lord, as we stand before you today, Father, I just pray. I just pray, Lord, that you would give us wisdom, allow us to see, Lord, to know, Lord, what it means to know you, but incline our heart towards you, O Lord, that we may know you. And we say that in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, family, I got to go. While you're examining, I want to encourage you, go on Discord. I see questions. Guys, share with each other. Continue the conversation on Discord. I want you to join us on Discord. We've got an amazing community there. And also, consider subscribing on, Pat- on Patreon. Yes. Patreon.com slash Isaac Frere. Um, could consider subscribing on Patreon. We got some goals. We got goals that we're trying to get to. And so I wanted, I want you guys to, to really just prayerfully consider that prayerfully consider, Hey, this ministry has been a blessing to me. Let me be a blessing to this ministry. Um, and yes, $10 a month doesn't seem like a big deal, but it's a huge, huge deal. Okay. It's a huge deal together. We can do great things, but also just Patreon's free. I mean, not Patreon. Discord is free, y'all. Just come on there. Be a part of our community. Connect with us there. Um, somebody post a link if you can. Just go to Discord. And so the community is called Opus Frere. Opus Frere. O-P-U-S-F-R-E-R-E. Opus Frere. 